Welcome to episode five of the Wealth Amplifier podcast from Amplius Wealth Advisors. I'm Matt Liebman. I'm joined today by Aaron Marks and Patrick Swift for our fifth episode of the podcast. As a reminder, before we dive in, nothing we say today should be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. You should seek the counsel of your own investment, legal, and tax advisors before uh, making any decisions in those areas. So for the first episode of 2023, we want to focus on forecasting and predictions because that's what people do at the beginning and end of years. So before we dive into that, let's just go over what happened in our capital markets in 2022. Just a couple headlines Uh, for the United States stock market. It was the worst performing year since the global financial crisis of 2008. Uh, For bonds, it was the worst performing year uh, since the actual bond indices started and likely the worst year since the 1800s. And for a 60-40, that's 60% stocks, 40% bonds, sort of a typical uh, institutional and and retail portfolio uh, that people track, it was the worst year since the 1930s, since the Great Depression. So with that as a backdrop, uh, a lot of people put out forecasts at the beginning of last year. So, Pat, why don't you tell us how uh, the prevailing consensus and the uh, geniuses out there uh, did last year. And then this year, not to be outdone, we'll throw some of our own predictions out there just to be part of the uh, part of the fun year. Okay, All right. I love it. Um, So, yeah, I think uh, if you look at last year's predictions, it was a perfect year for us to sit here with hindsight and make fun of predictions, which is. Um, at least our credit, what we often talk or speak to is predictions are fairly mostly meaningless in the short term. Uh, 2022 was a, was a really good example of that. 2021 was probably also, but almost every year they look a little foolish, but uh, it's funnier, or at least um, a little different when they all are, are negative. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give one example and, and, and I'll let us, this, be, this can be sort of a roundtable discussion. But there was an article I, I had read January, I think it was, February from Bloomberg of last year that I, I couldn't find today. They, they do a good job hiding this stuff now in, in hindsight. But, uh, it was talking about Bitcoin, I think, had, had started to dip maybe just ever so slightly from, I think, like its all-time highs in the 60000 US dollar range. And this genius, some gen- they interviewed all these geniuses in the crypto game who maybe they're all jobless at this point. But anyway... Um, they had mentioned that the support level for Bitcoin, the sort of buying opportunity, if you will, would be like 41,000. And uh, the quote from the article from this guy was like, if Bitcoin goes below 41,000, like you got to just like rush in there. And uh, <laughs> there, how that work out? Right, how did that work out? A Bitcoin is today, what, around 17,000 as of like January 2023, something like that, down, I guess, uh, since January 1st of last year about, 63%. So you would have had a lot more pain. Um, you would have lost about 100% almost from from those levels. So um, yeah, I think that, I mean, that's just one, that's just one headline that, I, that I'd that i point to. Um, but there were a lot of them out there. So Aaron, I don't know if you want to jump in on some other stuff there too. There are a lot of specifics that we'll hit, but what, let me ask you this. Why do you think we do it? Do you think it's for no other better ideas at the start of a year? So I got a better answer to this then. So there is almost unlimited upside to making a prediction 
that turns out right, especially in our industry. So if you make a prediction and it's, it catches the attention of any PR from any media outlet, anything catches fire, guess what? You, I mean, you can make a career off of that. Your upside is like, again, it's almost unlimited. Your downside is like zero. Nobody's like, oh, remember that idiot who said Bitcoin was going, you know, whatever. Like no one ever goes back and was like, oh, you were wrong about that. Like they don't care. We just move on to the next thing. So that's what it is. That's totally- and, and even in the moment, you make the prediction. You don't know in that moment it's going to be right or wrong. But if you're in a sales position trying to raise money for your fund, your, your advisory firm, whatever it happens to be, um, you know, hindsight comes later. But you're going to find somebody that agrees with you at that moment. Once they're bought in, they agree with you. They're a partner of yours. Market plays out and the bet went wrong. You could always justify it and say, hey, well, you know, here's what went wrong. Here's what our thinking was. But next year, really, we think we're, we're, we're narrowing in and hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. And I think on that, to Pat's point also, I think a lot of the incentive is just to be as noteworthy and outlandish as possible in, in, in predictions. Because I'll, I'll point this out, like we get plenty of stuff wrong. So I don't want anybody listening to take this as a, as, as a lack of humility. We, we know we get plenty wrong. We're humans too. But I, I do know that like one thing we were saying in the back half of last year that proved to be correct in a lot of, we had some speaking engagements and such, was this idea that after the first six months of the year, we'd entered this period of volatile mediocrity where the markets wouldn't go very far, but would sort of be good, bad, good one quarter, bad one quarter, et cetera. For the back half of the year, that proved to be right. But it's a really boring prediction. You know, like no, no one's catching on. Like, remember those guys that said things would go sideways? They were right. You know, like it, it doesn't, uh, doesn't work out uh, all that well. So I think there is an incentive to just say more, uh, uh, let's say, attention-grabbing things. So, so how about not the um, not Kathy Wood and Ark coming from them, but more the industry and individuals loving that world? Fang stocks, high growth, high tech. It's the wave of the future. Look, I, I, you have this fear of missing out, and you don't want to miss that boat. But um, everyone was calling for just exponential growth. And obviously that went the other way. Um, but do you think that it gets overdone and people start to ignore good ideas that were good ideas and had just, you know, a, there were rough circumstances out there. Like I, I personally don't think whether, whether you like Kathy Wood's strategies or not, or think she's a genius or not, I think you can't write off growth and innovation for the future. But do you think people do that too quickly? Yeah, I, I think yes is the short answer. I think people um, get too emotionally attached to a theme, and then when it disappoints them, they want nothing to do with that theme forever. So I don't know if that times now. To your point, I'm not predicting the the comeback of Kathy Wood. If you look at investments like that, they tend to be a roller coaster. And but roller coasters don't go straight up or straight down. There'll be good years again for those uh, for those themes. In fact. Um, somebody agrees with what you were saying because I think she was in net inflows last year, despite, despite all the money, you know, all the performance uh, going down. Yeah, I think that that can be a detractor too. Sometimes where uh, we've talked about it, probably even on this podcast, but with clients and just internally, where it's almost worse for you potentially in the future by getting a prediction right or 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 having a. a an outcome in your favor that that you attribute to some genius or some incredible foresight when 
probably it was luck or it was, you know, 70% luck. Um, because that's going to make you jaded towards what, you know, like future outcomes are going to be because, because of that experience. And you rely on that. Hey, I'm going to get it right again. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe here it's, it's a good defensive tax for us, but we brought on new clients last year, right? And their portfolios with us, although we're doing all kinds of other stuff for them, their portfolios don't look great necessarily unless they invested like October 1st of, uh, sure. of last year. Right. So, and, and I try to turn that, even though, again, it's, it's us being somewhat defensive. I turn that into a positive because I try to tell them like, look, if, if the market just went straight up from the day you invested with us, it's not my fault. Like I didn't do that. I wasn't like some wizard and all of a sudden your <laughs> strategy changed, but you're going to be jaded by that potentially and reliant that I'm some kind of genius. And that may set you up for failure in the future. I'd almost rather you stick with us and start with us during troubling markets to see all the other stuff we're doing for you, um, so that you're you're sort of aware of the of, of the of those facts. Um, so again, I think I don't know, like it's maybe a, a, a cop out for us in some cases, but I think it's pretty true. I think it's actually better for people's psyche longer term when you when you deal with that. So, what were some uh, other ones you guys remember from last year? Before we dive into some predictions for this year, uh, other noteworthy ones that maybe didn't work out so well. Also, just following along the the arc and high growth, it was values dead, investing growth. And I think uh, looking at the numbers, I think value equities outperformed large cap growth by about 20% last year. Right. And Aaron, you and I, I think we've spoken about this on past podcast episodes, November of 21, we're at a great conference. And again, I, I'm not disparaging by any means the firm that put it on. It's one of my favorite firms on Wall Street, and it was a great conference. However, every guest was just talking about growth, 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 growth. You might have thought value didn't exist uh, at, at this conference that we were at. And to your point, what happens promptly thereafter? Value outperforms growth by the most in years. Um, and and uh, uh, so, uh, well, I just as a caveat, we were at that conference again this year. What was the uh, theme that everybody was pounding this year that uh, maybe people should be a little wary of? Uh, you know, I asked that question going in. What, what do we have to listen for that we need to be aware? Of? You know, like alternative investments. Uh, that's you yeah. hear it from everywhere. And that's a category. It's hard to. It's a, it's a bit yeah. of a conundrum, though, because I think there are opportunities there, right? Like we're sitting, sure. in, a, we're sitting in a marketplace where asset classes broadly are much cheaper than they were a year ago, which mm -hmm. means investment opportunities are more attractive from a price standpoint. Um, but if you if you use that contrarian mentality of, hey, whatever the hot trending topic is in the, in the industry, and you shy away from that, oftentimes that spells positive results. So we're kind of like, it's a bit of a conundrum right now, if I think for us, because we're like, yeah, that may, the alternative investment universe makes a lot of sense right now than it did a year or two ago, especially for like, you know, early stage venture capital, things like that. But uh, if everybody's talking about it, like, what are we missing? Like, where's the yeah. contrarian in here? So the reason that 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 is so difficult, look, we're going to fast forward a year from now and look back at this one. And we're going to say what a bunch of bozos we were. How do we not see this coming? Because that, right. that's just, just predictions. That's how it works. But yeah, the alternative investments uh, theme it's hard because you can't say that doesn't work because of that being alternative investments could be real estate, 
private equity, venture, debt, a structure note, a market neutral fund, and real estate can do very differently than one of those other categories. Right. So yeah, that, it, it's hard saying equities are out. Which is why so let, let, let me flip it around then uh, and, and, and play contrarian. But So I agree with everything you said. So maybe the contrarian theme that we should pick up from that is that the traditional investments are not dead. Uh, yeah. That the you know that the stock so and right. bond generic boring investments that were great for forty years but had an awful year last year maybe now is not the time to ditch them even if you add alternatives as well. It's that's a good point, and I think to your last question, Matt, of what other predictions went wrong, it's hard to remember all the specific ones, especially when these media companies seem to scrub their databases, so I can't find anything. But. <laughs> There is, there's been a pervasive, this happens like in any landscape that I've been a part of so far in my career. You hear this, the new normal, the new, you're, we're in the new normal. This is the new normal, right? You heard that last year, growth is the new normal. Zero interest rates are the new normal. Well, guess what? One year later, that's literally the opposite. And I think now, now you're hearing the same thing. New normal, we're going to be higher interest rates for longer and the Fed's going to stick it to inflation for longer. And you hear all these like, guess what? Maybe, maybe not is really at the end of the day what the, what the truth is. Um, and I think that's why you have averages, right? You have long-term averages because there are excesses and new normals every other year. And then you have like a, a totally, you know, uh, disparity in, in asset classes and markets. And then that's where you have like average returns that end up working longer term. Right. If, if you go back to fundamentals and for everyone that's claiming 60-40, 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio is dead. You got to think, well, wasn't the 60-40 sort of dead in the last cycle because the 40 being bonds gave you nothing in terms of income and yield? Um, but now everyone knows rates have gone up. So why are we all just casting bonds aside now? I don't think we are, but you hear that a lot. 60-40 is dead. But to your yep. point, Matt, maybe it's not. Maybe the old vanilla boring the way it was before, that is now the, the theme to you know hitch upon. And you know, to what totally agree with both you and that, you know, Pat, some of what you were describing is the sort of um Sam Liebman investment philosophy of mean reversion, reversion to the mean. Nothing goes in the same direction forever that, that we do, uh, you know, certainly have as a key part of our analysis here. But I think at this point, it's time we should uh, stick our own necks out there and go on the record with some predictions, see how well we do. And this is just again, I know we did our disclosures at the top, but this is just for fun. This is not how we are designing all of our portfolios to the penny right now, but just some general capital markets uh, and economic predictions that we may have for 2023, just so we can check ourselves uh, a, a year from now. So you, uh, you guys don't want to dance on any more graves from from uh, recent years? It's too easy when the stock market and the market all just goes <laughs> no, straight down. I'm only, we gotta... <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. No, and I was, looking, uh, I was looking for some that we could highlight where someone nailed something and got it right. And it was like, I, I, and again, to your point, the media does scrub a lot of old stuff. I couldn't find many. Uh, for the last year was a pretty ugly year. So. Here's here's one that's super boring, and then we should just go right into predictions and stuff. At least from what we were hearing from a lot of the people we get research and, and insights from, uh, there's been the theme of like someday, some year, international stock markets are going to outperform the U.S. at some point. And guess what? I guess you correct me if I'm wrong here, Matt. Last year, they did ever so slightly. 
versus the S&P 500, like the S&P 500 US index versus your broad international non-US index roughly outperformed the, the United States over the course of the year. But guess what? No one cares because they were both down like more than 12%. Right, right. They can't, they can't catch yeah. a break over there. They're right. right. So they can't, can't catch a break. But technically, they had their- Technically, uh, it happened. Yep. Their year yep. in the sun was minus 14 or so. So, <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start asking the tough ones. The things that everybody's talking about, top of the list, the Fed and interest rates. Do they keep rising? Do they rise and stop and stay for forever? Do they pivot and start cutting? Um, how fast? How long? What do you think? All right, I'll go. Uh, I'll go first on this one. They are almost finished hiking. They are not done yet, but I think we do get you know one or two more hikes. But unlike a lot of thoughts that think they're going to turn and pivot and start cutting, I don't think they start cutting till at least twenty twenty four. I think we stay. Uh, at at uh, whatever their peak is, wherever they stop, I think we stay there for a little bit longer than consensus thinks. Mr. Swift, you're making me squirm. I, this is like my least favorite thing in the whole job. I, I hate <laughs> making predictions. Um, it's hard to disagree with that. Matt is always such a smart middle of the road guy. I would uh, to add some fun to it, and I'm not personally that far off this, but I think it's possible you see a rate cut later this year. I think uh, it would it would probably be the result of fast forward six to nine months and we have poor economic conditions way worse. The, we, we find the right because there is a theme I think people have talked about that somehow the Fed hasn't broken anything major in the economy, despite their insanely rapid rate, uh, rate hike schedule we've seen over the last year. And maybe it just hasn't happened yet. So maybe they do break something and we have labor market weakness far beyond and they have to change their mandate again or, or inflation is is not sort of coming down as they see it. And we do have sort of a prolonged economic uh, or, or at least just sort of more deteriorating economic conditions. I mean, in that case, you could see a rate rate cut uh, and some normalized conditions. So we'll, we'll see. I think house prices will be a big factor in that. So All right. So, so I don't have any fundamentals to support what I'm going to say. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're all, all the better. What, yeah. what I, right. <laughs> if you recall, I don't know if it was our first or second. Uh, it's just echoes sort of the theme of this conversation is nobody knows anything. Yeah. And when everybody's saying one thing, the prop, the opposite's probably true. And general consensus is rates stay high. They have a ceiling, you know, was it five, five and a quarter from they're shooting? Yeah, they're for, about to, yeah. yeah. Maybe there's a rate cut. Not one person is saying rates just keep going up. And I don't really think that's going to happen, but maybe it is because everyone's saying the opposite. So I'm going to go in the opposite camp and say that inflation, okay, maybe it's dipping a little bit right now, but it starts to run rampant again. And you know, we see inflation come down a little bit and stock market goes wild to the upside. And then the Fed says, hey, look, we're pedal to the metal. Let's keep going. So I'm going to say they uh, definitely don't cut and potentially even higher than expected. All right. So, so we, I got, I'm with you on 50% of that. And I think it's a good prediction. <laughs> so we hit, uh, we, we hit all three potential outcomes. I, I got well, that predicting in a nutshell, right? Just cover your yeah. bases. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you one since Pat, uh, uh, I, I think correctly accused me of often being middle of the road. Uh, this happens to be middle of the road prediction I have for next year. Stocks, we'll, we'll say the U.S. stock market just to, uh, keep it keep it simple there. 
Uh, neither make new lows on this bear market. So we, we neither go below the lows of last year, nor do we make all-time highs, but we say stuck in this range. Uh, so I think what the S&P all-time high was about 4,800, if I'm not mistaken, and maybe hit a low of about 3,500 last year, give or take. Um, I, I think we stay in that range this year that we don't we don't break out to the upside or the downside. Uh, so, so you're saying that's your outlandish call, Matt? This is outlandish as I get that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I think staying in um, the theme of going against the general consensus. We were talking about this over the weekend, as, as we always chat on this these topics. You know, what's the market saying? What do we say? What's the feel out there? General consensus. I believe what we hear the most right now is the first half of this year is going to have a lot of uncertainty. And then second half of the year, all right, we're off to the races again. But you really, if you think about it, I, I could see it going the other way because inflation is starting, as we see, to come down a little bit. And every time we get those readings, market shoots higher. So if that continues to happen, meaning the interest that rates that have gone higher are starting to work, we're going to keep on cheering and cheering and cheering and market's going to keep taking off to a point where, okay, Mar we are slowing. Inflation is coming down. Uh-oh. Wait a second. Is the recession real? Like we always saw the recession potentially coming, but once it's once it's five feet away from you, that then can um, set the alarms off and the fear bells. And I think then that second half of the year ends up being a, a tougher part. And maybe the first year, we've got some smooth sailing to the upside. It's a good All right, Pat, it's your turn. We got to hear one. All right. Um... Well, actually, can I ask you guys a question first, and then I'll and then I'll give you some. Sure. Questions. So here's a more economic one because I think this is related to everything, obviously. But do you think that there is a so there's there's been some headlines for the last few months? Big tech companies and to some extent some of the big banks are making pretty significant layoffs in their yep. labor forces, and it's you know these are enormous companies in our economy, so they get a lot of the press. Do you think that that is a fair view of the average U.S. company right now? They're looking to lay off their their staff to some extent or make cuts? Or do you think it's concentrated in the sectors that have gotten hit the hardest over the last year or so? So therefore, they're sort of should be laying some people off. Good question. I mean, you know, the service industries are have been shorthanded for a long time and they're starting, you're starting to see uh, restaurants becoming full staffed again. But you hear all these troubles of being able to hire so it's a good point. It, I guess I then do lean to the side. It's concentrated within tech, which is a huge part of, you know, what you see. And you see Apple and Amazon, they're the big drivers of the S&P 500. Um, but as, as to how it really relates to the economy, maybe it is the other way. Maybe uh, the layoffs don't come in full force and hiring stays strong. Yeah, I, I think, you know, not to sound like a politician running for office, but Small businesses are the backbone of our economy, but they kind of are. Um, and we talk to small business owners all day long. And anecdotally, they're net, they're hiring. If anything, they're struggling, like Aaron said, to find people to hire. So I think big businesses may, may lay off. And I do think this idea that like, you know, five tech companies were just going to own the entire economy and the whole stock market has probably taken a hit in the last year. And that's probably a healthy thing, you know, that, that we have a more balanced economy. But um I, I think that's part of, you know, that might give some credence to Aaron's prediction about the Fed continuing to raise rates 
is uh, I don't think the job market's getting uh, is going to get particularly weak anytime soon. It's a fair point. All right, so, so you're, Pat, to... you're on the spot. We All right. One. So I'm going. I'll give you a stock market prediction. I'm going to say. So I'll give a stat and then I'll give a prediction. We talked about this earlier this week. I think it's just a cool stat in general. We talk to people or people are somewhat familiar with, if you stay invested in stocks, call it more than 10 years, 20 years, long time horizon, you typically end up with a 10% annual average return based on what historical returns have been for the last 90 some odd years. The stat is in only one or two of those years total, I forget the exact number of years, did the actual S&P 500 index finish with a 10% annual return, 10% return. Meaning most of the time in all the other 80 some odd years, you ended up with big lows or big highs or somewhere in between or, or, or sort of small incremental moves. I'm going to go on record. I'm going to say S&P 500, large US stocks in the US finish 20 to 25% higher than we start the year. Wow. I thought you were going to say it's going to be 10 because yeah, I, know. I think you're going to pull no, that. No. This is the year we're doing. No, no I'm, I'm, I'm going, we're going, it's going to be big up year. Um, and I, but I don't think I'll give you more specific. I don't think it's going to be a quick return of growth stocks that leads us there. I think it'll be, I think it's a year to own all stocks, all cap, sort of large, medium and small cap stocks, both value and growth value probably does slightly better. Um, and I think international probably does well too. I don't have a specific prediction there, but I think it's a good year to own stocks broadly. All right. So, so I'll give you one last question for me. You guys can have you know other other predictions, but because of the uh, the, the, the crypto junkies that we are, being facetious, <laughs> what is more likely? And let's just go with Bitcoin. One thousand or one hundred thousand. <laughs> You mean like which one does it hit first? Which I, one does it hit first? If it had to hit one, where is it going? Oh, I thought it was going to be easy. Will it hit either this year? And I'll say no, and I'll be done. No, uh, <laughs> uh, wow, it's that's the end no, of it or the beginning? What do you say? That's a good question. Um, As you see, uh, listeners or here, listeners, we did not discuss all of these. I'm, but we're we're putting each other on the spot. Wow! Wow! Does it hit one? And Pat, you said it's what about seventeen thousand? No, I, I don't even follow I it. Think that. So. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <sighs> I'm going to contradict myself here. I'm going to, um, and anybody, uh, and, and when I say anybody, roughly like five people who uh, saw me on a panel uh, in, in Houston recently heard me say, I'm out on crypto. I don't, I was never in, but I'm definitely out. That said, if I had to pick between Aaron's two choices, I think I'd pick a hundred. A thousand, you mean? No, a hundred thousand. Oh, a hundred thousand. Oh, so you are going high. Okay. Going up. And by no means am I recommending anybody buy it. I'm not bullish. I'm not advocating it. Every disclosure you can add, I don't own a penny of it. But if I had to pick between those two, I guess long term I'd be more likely to be long than short. And I like it. So I'll give my my uh, my thought, but I think it's important for us to showcase a little humility here. It's easy for three guys who probably were never crypto bulls to now be like oh man, like good thing we were never crypto bulls. Like this is the same stuff that we say to other people about things that they're biased against. So again, just kind of pointing out our own humility here a little bit. Um, yeah. I, so I think my, my real answer to the question is I don't think it hits either. Ever? Ever. 
And I think it's more likely to go. <laughs> to a thousand than a hundred. Who would have guessed that Pat would be on that side and I would be on the other? On uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have kicked. And look, a caveat that for anybody who is a friend of mine or a client of mine who loves crypto and they're they're disappointed by my answer, I think the cryptocurrency and uh, uh, space has room to recover and figure itself out. But I think maybe there will be some unknown development that that sort of bypasses bitcoin that'll be my saving grace there all right aaron answer your own question well i'm just trying to do the math here i think i'd have to say a hundred thousand because for it to go from we, we keep again this is how little we're into bitcoin it has it's at seventeen thousand now roughly so, he says yeah. so it's got to go down 95 percent to get to a thousand and it's got to go up a whole lot less, you know, how many times I go, I go, it's going to a hundred thousand, uh, quicker than it goes to, uh, or if it had to hit one just because it's, it's, it's a little out of favor. Here, here's my reason. Nobody's calling us to buy it. When everyone's calling us to buy it, yeah, I, that, that's a sign to me that it's a time to move away from whatever that investment is. Uh, it's out of favor. No one's talking about it. No one's calling to say, can I buy it? Probably the time to buy it. I would agree with that mentality broadly. Yeah. All right. Well, we've gone a little over today. So before we break, um, why don't we all, uh, I don't know, share something, a book, a TV show, something you're watching or, uh, or following these days to start the new year. Docket. That we have. So I was with a few friends on, on Saturday and I was introduced to the show. I started it this week. It's called Kaleidoscope. On oh, that's what I was going to be mine. Okay, so I don't know if you know this fact or if the listeners know this fact, but for each person's Netflix account, when they sign in and click on Kaleidoscope, all the showed names, they're named after colors. They're like episode red, episode green, episode yellow. They're all in different orders. So the finale, I think, is episode white regardless. It's like this heist episode. That's what everything's building towards. But every person's like the three of our Netflix accounts all would uh, – Potentially, you're, you're saying your your my first one was green, and I think my second was yellow. Yours was not correct. I think wow. Well, let me ask you a question. Hold on a second. Are you saying they're in a different order, or the title of that first episode is different? No, no, no. The episodes are in different orders for each person's account. Get out of here. So the episode I watched first is not your first episode. That's, That's right. Crazy. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. No, it was like blew my mind. I was comparing on my phone with someone else at a table, and we confirmed it. I was like, oh my god. Cool. Okay. I like That's that. That's like a mindset because I'm so like not the creative type. It's like a mind. Whoever could create that, it just blows my mind. Like, yeah, very Creating a show to begin with, but then having like different orders and somehow it, that's like outside of my uh, realm of understanding. That is really interesting. So I've watched two episodes and I'm thinking to myself, if you flip flop them, would I have known what I what I knew going into that second? And if I watched the first one, how do I have known that person's related to that person? I don't want to give it away here. I, I do think, and I'm not 100% sure, but what the person told me is like there's sets, like I think like two episodes kind of go together, like, huh. like green and yellow are supposed to be uh, sequential, but like red and blue are also sequential so it would have to you know what i mean but they mix and match the sets hmm. that's what hmm. i heard at least um wow well 
I'll go uh, way, way different from you guys, but I'm intrigued by that. So I went to uh, London over, over my kids' winter break. The four of us went, went to London for a week, which was awesome. And one of the highlights of the trip was going to the Churchill War Rooms uh, and, and learning about, you know, the sort of the British strategy during World War II uh, and, and sort of effectively the command center, if you will. So I've been reading this book um, by the old, I think he's on CNN now, used to be Fox News. Chris Wallace wrote a book a year or two ago called uh, Countdown to 1945. And it's basically all about, give or take the 180 days from the time FDR dies and Truman becomes president to the time that they decide to drop the bomb. Um, and uh, it's been really interesting. And then I guess on a more contemporary uh, note, uh, been watching all of the Harry Meghan stuff uh, with, with my uh, with my wife and daughter since we got back from London. We're all in. Uh, so we, we watched the documentary, the 60 Minutes, the Netflix, you name it. I, I don't know a thing about any of that, so uh, I'll have to uh, learn from you, I guess. Yeah, and, sure. and mine is because, because uh, Pat, you mentioned Kaleidoscope. I go back, I, like all of us, I'm sure we go in phases. You're, you're, you're binging a show and then you're just watching fluff for a while. But it was over winter break that I, I, I've, uh, I was always a very big Seinfeld fan. Um, and it's really not, you don't see it on reruns too much now. It's always The Office, which I really enjoy. And if I'm never not watching anything, uh, I'll flip onto The Office. I always get a kick out of it. But some episodes are not my favorite. Anyway, for the month of December, they were putting Seinfeld for like two nights, three nights a week, you know, from 8 to 10 p.m., back to back to back. It is unbelievable how good that show is. And especially when you haven't – I know every line, every episode. But when you haven't watched it for a while, it just sustains. And it – you know, like – like Mash, I know I was still on. Is it going to be like that? Like like Seinfeld is on forever, but does it only still play with a certain generation as that generation gets older, or do younger generations uh, attach themselves to Seinfeld as well? It's just an amazing show that um, I don't know if it'll ever stop, but at least for me, it won't. So you triggered final question: Seinfeld or Curb? Which do you prefer? I can watch uh, you know ten Seinfelds in a row. I love Curb Enthusiasm. But after watching two episodes, I've got to turn it off and I cannot handle Larry David anymore, even though I love him. Two episodes is about enough for me. So I guess I'll go Seinfeld. That's that's a good question and answer. I think I'd go Curb. You're right there. And like the you can watch Seinfeld more consistently and not get sick of it or or like like cringed by it. <laughs> um Curb, I think, is like funnier punchlines, more entertaining at this point, but so I'll go curb, but uh, I see your point. I see your rationale. I, I got to go curb. I just think, I, A, I think it's just like on a raw basis, just funnier. And B, for anybody listening that knows our senior, senior, senior colleague, uh, Ed Jower, something about Larry David in that show just reminds me of Ed. Uh, so it always like makes me laugh even more thinking of Ed in those situations. Um, <laughs> Good question. Good final question. All right, with that, we're going to get going. Thanks for tuning in. We have a couple episodes coming up soon with some uh, special guests. And uh, happy uh, Happy New Year. Happy 2023. That's a Larry David thing right there. You know, you, you went a little too long on saying Happy New well, Year. That was man. the 15th. It's the 7th? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, depending on when we post this, it might be really late. I don't know. Oh, this is, uh, this is <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Ourselves. All right, everybody. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys.